rest of her body was probably eaten by her killer. The press called him the Midnight Killer. Actually, I found him to be very intelligent. A woman was killed, brutally murdered by what I believed to be a maniac. Some sexy underwear. You're a sponger! And you're a whore! You can't imagine what good vitamins there are for you in a fresh fruit shake. Hey, what happened to you? You look like you spent the whole night with a football team. You no such luck. I'd say we are talking about a maniac. A psychopath. Excuse me, Inspector. Trebo's dead. Died eight years ago in a fire at a psychiatric hospital. <laughs> I know who the killer is. Keep it up, you're water nymphs, have fun, you're drunk with desire. Touch your lap, move around more, offer yourself, Kim, you love it. More abandoned, let yourself go. Surrender to pleasure. Gloria. Oh, hello, Mark. I'm watching you. You are? If I told you I was playing with it, would you come over and help me? You're a sex goddess, you make my member throb with desire. It wants to penetrate your flower and explode. This is getting boring, Mark. Mark just phoned me. He said that he saw Kim murdered in the poultry now. Do you mind explaining, Inspector? How could perfume kill her? It attracts bees. <laughs> it's your turn to die. Come out! Show yourself! Kill me if you must! I can't take anymore! <gasps> Hi, I'm Scout Taylor Compton from Rob Zombie's Halloween, and you're listening to The Hysteria Continues. And indeed you are. Welcome back to this extra special uh, Jalo double bill. Uh, we're going to get our Lamberto Barber freak on with uh, his two or two mid-80s Jali, uh, very much influenced by the American slasher movies, uh, Midnight Killer, a.k.a. You Will Die at Midnight, and his batshit crazy Delirium. So, uh, yes, uh, well, it's my choice. So, obviously, I'm quite excited to be talking about these two movies. But um, before... Before we get onto that, and I think this is episode 188, although we are kind of recording a little bit in advance, so I might have got that wrong, but I think it is 188. Uh, and uh, so, how are we all doing? Uh, Joseph, how are you? Oh, I'm quite good. How about yourself? I'm doing quite well, actually. Thank you very much. I'm just surrounded by cats uh, and look like they're going to be... It's always good to be surrounded by cats, isn't it? Are they flushing toilets? Uh, no, but one of them's just gone into my photography drawer, so I might have to go and pull him, pull him out in a minute. Did he make a, did he make a Harold Plop sound? Uh, hopefully, he still no. In the photography <laughs> he better not. <laughs> but, so anyway, well, let's see. If, if I disappear very quickly, you'll you'll not understand no why. Way. So, um, uh, Eric, how are you? I'm awesome, thank you. Oh, I'm glad to I'm hear it. Filled with the joys of Lamberto Bava. Exactly. Well, I'm excited to be talking about these movies. And Nathan, how are you doing? I'm doing very very well. Brilliant. Okay. Well, we've got quite a lot to get through, so we'll whisk through. Uh, let's see what I said, did there. Uh, whisk. Oh, oh, very good. Um, through the uh, recently seen. So, um, Eric, have you seen anything you want to tell us well, about? Well, you're going to whisk through me fairly quickly, who are yeah. misses, because I've seen nothing apart from our feature presentation. But I have what? a special surprise for you, because we are, reco- we are recording this episode now. By the time it goes out, this will be old news. But we're recording this episode slap bang between Joseph's birthday and Justin's birthday which has just passed so I've got a song each for each of you that I've composed myself from my heart <laughs> so um, I'm going to go with Justin's first and Joseph I'll play your one later on in the podcast Justin um, and I hope you'll appreciate the newfound uh, sophistication and maturity in my songwriting so Justin this one's for you it's called Dear Poo Pants Dear Poo Pants Happy birthday to you 
the sky is blue. I love Toya and catch a goo goo, dear Happy birthday to you. You are welcome. I am touched, and uh, you clearly are as well, Eric. Thank you very wow, much. Wow, I can't wait to hear mine. <laughs> yeah, I'm well, almost scared. I'm almost scared to hear mine. Well, well, after we've covered the first of the Lamberto Bava double bills, I'll play you your special birthday song, Joseph, because it's your birthday next week on Wednesday, the eighth. Yes. Well, the boys sent me a very nice card uh, with uh, Susie and Miss Vanji and some ginger-headed thing. Uh, Toy was on it, and yes. there was also this bloke, this goth on it, flicking his hair in a graveyard. <laughs> you know what's who... funny now, Justin, is you now own a piece of Toya memorabilia. You do you lucky thing? I do. Yes, it's on. It's in pride of place, uh, lining the cat train. So where you, where <gasps> you know, it would. Oh it's, <laughs> this does, does its most good. No, I've got it somewhere. I've filed safely away. So thank you very much. I was touched. So, um, the soon-to-be birthday boy, uh, have you seen anything of note? Yes. um, Nathan and I had a movie night this past Friday. We watched a new anthology called All the Creatures Were Stirring. And it's um, an obvious uh, independent film. I mean, it's kind of plagued with some bad sound and bad, you know... uh, you know, technical flubs here and there, but I, I, I somewhat enjoyed it. I thought, um, they put a lot of heart into it, even though it kind of come up short in a few areas. Um, I think the biggest problem aside from its budget is that they don't really know how to end any of their stories very well, except for one. Uh, it has one story that I really, really loved. And I, I thought it was very, uh, you know, unique and, uh, very suspenseful and very just kind of, you know, bizarre. Um, but you know, overall there's like five or six stories. It's, um, I think they're all based around the, the Christmas holiday. I, from what I could tell, although the first story is kind of so haphazard, I couldn't really tell, but, um, you know, for an independent, uh, film, I thought it was okay. That second story, like I said, is phenomenal. Um, the rest of them were okay. So, you know, um, it was, it's worth one watch. I don't think I'll ever go back and watch it again, but you know, I had, had a decent time so thumbs marginally up okay okay well nathan you've seen that presumably as well yes i i liked it um like there's a couple of stories especially the first story i think that involves this uh game of like secret santa or the game where you exchange gifts and you can steal one that game um i think it was a great setup um but it didn't know how to end it and the ending was very unsatisfying. I'm still confused. I don't, I don't get the ending at all, but like Joe said, there were some other stories that were really good and worth seeing. So it's like with most anthologies hit and miss, but I mean, I would check it out. It's at least worth one watch. Cool. Okay. Well, that's one to watch out for. I've not seen it. Eric, you probably haven't either. No. No. Okay. Right. Well, thank you, Joseph. Anything else? Um, no, I think that's it. Okay. Right. Well, thank you. Nathan, how about you? Um, uh, just what I watched with Joe. Okay. <laughs> well, fair enough. Well, we, as I said, we're going to whisk 
through it very quickly uh, and that little joke will become clear why I'm overusing it or over egging it as it were um, the uh, the only thing I've seen this week because again I say we are kind of front loading the episodes quite a lot because uh, we have holidays and stuff coming up so it's only been a week since recorded but I caught up with and again this is very topical but it won't be topical by the time this comes out but it's a uh, the new Netflix movie extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile which is the Zac Efron starring a biopic about the uh, serial killer Ted Bundy um which is is made by the guy it's it Joe Berlinger who did um he did Blair Witch 2 and then he directed yeah. that and a few other uh sort of true crime uh sort of things as well so he did a a documentary series on Ted Bundy for Netflix earlier in the or I think earlier in the year a four-parter like a documentary series so I think because I'd watched that quite recently this felt a little not exactly redundant but a kind of little bit of deja vu with it but um Zac Efron's really good in it he's kind of he uh he has that kind of sort of um bland psycho look down um but what's kind of interesting about it from a true crime point of view I kind of guess is the that it, it kind of tells the story through the two women that he's involved with rather than you hardly see any of his crimes so in it doesn't work in the way a traditional kind of serial killer kind of movie would in so much you don't really see many of the the murders or even the aftermath of the murders um but it's it's well done and it's it's very handsomely put together but uh yeah it's not amazing but uh, that's the only thing i've seen this week i think but has anyone else caught that yet no it's open in cinemas as well as on being on netflix I it, it had a limited run here. Um, it was a limited cinema release here, but it, then it just uh, it, there was like a hesitation, and then it was finally on Netflix. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if it's uh, it's it's on. It was on the uh, uh, Spanish Netflix, so I don't know if it's. I presume it's out everywhere else. It is. It's on. It's on the Irish Netflix as well. But um, they've like uh, Zach Afron's been doing the rounds uh, of the movie review shows in the UK. So I was assuming it was getting a, a theatrical release. You know, possibly simultaneously. I don't. I don't see the point, really. But no, but they started doing that, haven't they, with things? Mm. So I kind of guess you really want to see it on the big screen. But uh, yeah, marginal recommend. But uh, so um, well, we've got that out of the way. So now it's uh, time for two very prime slices of Italian cheese coming up. <laughs> Devil Times Five is the fast-paced podcast in which three comedians and two horror experts dissect a different theme, franchise, or subgenre each month before playing around with horror's hardest quiz. Scary noises. So, for hot takes and piss takes, listen to Devil Times Five, the British horror podcast that knows how to have fun. Discovering that I must be half crazy, capable of killing. (laughs) 
Bebo's dead. He died eight years ago in a fire at a psychiatric hospital. I saw him. Anna, do you think Nicole is really innocent? Absolutely. But I've seen photographs of him. It was Franco Trebo, Daddy. I'm sure of it. There's something about these recent murders that doesn't add up. So, what do you care? Don't forget she's a cop's daughter. She's inherited a professional deformity. This guy's an imitator. Not Trebo. First... Tribo raped his victims. This guy doesn't. Tribo killed outside in open places. This guy's worked in a flat, theater, and a store. Daddy, Monica's disappeared. We can't find her. mysterious serial killer who is terrorizing a city with a long series of murders kills the wife of a police officer who is suspected to be guilty sarah a criminologist who's investigating the case of the legendary midnight ripper a sex maniac who died years before is convinced that he is innocent and suspects the ripper is still alive um midnight ripper as i as i mentioned or aka you will die at midnight was lamberto barva's follow-up to a blade in the dark and it was released um uh, around about the same time that he had a big hit with demons and uh, um barva famously said uh, that he i think he got burnt out making these two jolly fairly uh, not quite back to back but he said he felt uncomfortable about making uh, sort of slash horror jali where women are menaced uh and uh, which is why he kind of changed um but also stayed the same with uh, delirium which is the next pick but um this film i saw it it's it's a one of a kind of a lesser known uh jali uh so many of the mid 80s ones i think the kind of the jali is obviously as we we've spoken about before and we kind of know kind of had its heyday uh in the early 1970s um with the kind of launched um not not certainly not started but it became uh very popular internationally with dario argento's um uh bird with crystal plumage and of course had been uh had been sort of popular as a genre before that and arguably invented by maria barva uh, in 1963 with the girl who knew too much and of course the classic uh blood and black lace which we will one day cover eric i promise um so Lamberto Bava was uh, he went on to um, work with his father uh, on many of his films and uh, started uh, with Macabre in 1980 I think it was his his first movie but uh, he he's he very much he's he seemed to much prefer the more uh, kind of uh, outlandish fantasy horror of things like uh, demons and demons 2 and the pretty awful that I remember um, graveyard shift but having said that he's a very very good disturbance sorry graveyard disturbance thank you eric um but i think he's actually very skilled director and i didn't i remember back in the 80s i wasn't that taken with his movies and i think partly because i loved 
demons and demons too but a graveyard disturbance really put me off his movies and so it um but watching the um uh lamberto barva 80s jali especially the mid 80s ones the ones we're covering tonight um and also his later 80 or i think it's 80s or his early 90s body puzzle which was uh uh it's definitely one i'd like to cover in the uh in the on a future episode uh there's a lot to enjoy in this um i think joseph um, mentioned uh off air that this kind of the, the, the well let him make the comparison to uh, a beloved early 80s slash movie um but it's just so silly and fun it's not as silly and fun as an over-the-top as delirium but it's it it very much starts to my mind it feels like an early 70s jelly uh it has a police inspector and like many if you're a jelly uh, aficionado you know know that many of them will have their kind of quirks with their police inspectors usually have things like um a liking for boiled eggs or all sorts of kind of strange little character quirks and the the uh inspector in this one is got is constantly looking for his pipe uh so you have this kind of the, this whole thing going on and it's very much like uh, the early 80 well the 80 slashes in so much you have you actually got a real killer who's come back from the dead uh this franco tribo who's this disfigured um psychotic who'd been the midnight killer who'd been terrorizing the city uh some years before um or is it an imposter who started a series of series of killings and the film keeps you guessing uh and it ends with the most ridiculous and over the top uh sort of denouement which we'll talk about i'm sure in a little bit but uh, and we'll warn you before we spoil who the killer is but the film kind of borrows a lot from the Dario Argento movies. Uh, it's in so much that it's very much set piece orientated. And so you have uh, stalking sequences, which are very, very much kind of the, the American slasher vein uh, in places like the abandoned theater, uh, the, the, um, then and the abandoned hotel at the end, when you have three girls being chased around this abandoned hotel or a certainly deserted hotel by a deranged killer in the fog. Uh, and so it's it's just so over the top and silly, uh, especially like scenes where you have this girl who stops her car and then in the middle of this brightly lit daylight street, she's in her car waiting to get past a traffic jam. And suddenly the killer appears with an ice pick and starts slashing and stabbing her through the open window. And instead of running towards the traffic jam or down the street, she runs into an abandoned theatre and uh plays a game of cat and mouse with the killer and ends up uh ice picked to death so yeah it's just um i think it's just a, a lot of fun it's got the um playful perversity running through it uh that all the characters of especially the male characters are, are kind of quite uh um not despicable but they've all got sort of like uh sort of sort of uh slightly per- pervy quirks like the um the the colleague of the the teenage girls who who likes watching his neighbor doing 80s aerobics in uh, leotard on a balcony and has uh, i think it's or am i getting that confused delirium no it is this film um uh, so yeah lamberto barber's having is kind of playful with this but it actually works as a straight head thriller and a giallo uh, and although it's not as crazy as delirium i think it's got a lot of, it's a lot of fun so i'm interested to hear what you guys thought of it and so i'm i'm thinking i know um is this the first time watch for you all for this one it is for me yeah mm-hmm. okay well what's no, th- no, it's 
Oh, you had to. Okay. I'd seen it a long time ago, but I didn't remember anything about it. Okay. Well, as a as a virgin, um, Eric, what was your thoughts, or what were your thoughts? What are your oh, I thoughts? I loved it. I loved every second of it. Um, I can't understand why this isn't the one I've sought out before. Um, I suppose, like you, back in the eighties, I wasn't. I wouldn't call myself a Lamberto Bava fan. I liked, as you said, demons, but I thought his other stuff was a bit hokey. But that was, you know, that was me. As we've said this before, comparing everything to Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween, and wanting a Hollywood kind of sheen to everything, uh, I just I just love this movie. As you said, it's um, it has an, just a, not the right amount of silliness in it to to you know keep you entertained. And that like that ending, like which we'll discuss, I'm sure soon, is um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 very Scooby Doo. Um, I like the fact that we're we're sort of throwing this curveball right from the very start. We're introduced to two characters, which we think are probably going to be the two leads in the film. But they actually, um, uh, well, disappear pretty early on. And I like the way the film plays spot the reference to the Giallo because there's so many things I was like, oh, that looks like a scene from such and such a movie from the 70s. So, as you said, the scene where the girl runs into the abandoned theatre is taken directly from Four Flies on Grey Velvet. Um, there's a scene where Anna sees Trebo, is that his name? The, the killer she sees him reflected in a mirror, which is, a, you know, lifted from Deep Red. Um, there's one scene that rips off the the sort of central mystery of when well, I say rip off it pays homage I should say to the central mystery of bird with the crystal plumage where we see um two people struggling over a knife and we assume one of the we we just make assumptions that the one person is the killer but we learn later on that uh, we've made a mistake and it's actually the roles have been reversed so that's very like bird with the crystal plumage um and also there's a scene where the killer stuffs brass into um a shop assistant's mouth which was like in tenebrae where he stuffs the um pages of the novel into her mouth so again he's he's riffing on all these dario argento classics i'm assuming deliberately um and also this decision of the three girls to i don't know why go to an abandoned hotel or an unoccupied hotel uh, i don't know how where they got the permissions to do this but that was like torso i thought where the three girls you know go up to the mansion in the hills for the final half of the movie um i don't know if you did you mention the the electric whisk yet um uh, well not uh, not uh, explicitly yeah. Okay. Well, there's a there's a scene in like when you said to me uh, we're covering you'll die at midnight and you said the scene it's the scene where a girl defends herself with a whisk. I had visions of her just taking an egg whisk out of the drawer, like a, a manual whisk, and just sort of waving it at the killer. Um, now it's it's an electric whisk she uses, but it's still kind of it's it's the most ineffectual weapon that a person can use. Um, probably since um, Alice thought that throwing some string at Mrs. Voorhees would <laughs> you know deter her in the original fight of the thirteenth. Um, the whisk scene, yeah, is. Uh, wonderfully ludicrous uh, i don't know how this girl thinks it's uh, it's going to help her in her plight um uh, maybe it's uh, that, that smoothie she makes looks disgusting <laughs> did anyone notice that it's it's just this brown sludge with chunks in it it looks like vomit i think it's supposed to be like a fruit smoothie it's like ew uh, it looked like harold's plops <laughs> <laughs> just like harold's plops <laughs> um i thought the, the score was really funky we got a, a, a bit of it there in the intro um and in the trailer it's that reminds me a lot of the score to absurd now i forgot to check if that was this if it's the same person who did the score to this and absurd but um i might if i get a chance i'll google that while somebody else is talking um yeah i love the film as you said it, it works well as a murder mystery but with um really ludicrous elements and a ludicrous uh, revelation at the end which is as a higher compliment as i can pay um i loved it loved it loved it loved it loved it um 
possibly not as much as the second half of our double bill, but I still loved it. Joseph, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, You Will Die at Midnight? Well, I would like to preface this with, um, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine, and I'll probably offend a few people saying this, but I hate when people compare Lombardo to his father and they say he's not as good, my response to this is, so what? He's doing his own thing. Why does he need to be compared to his father? Why can't you take his, you know, his, his, um, uh, his filmography under his own condition, you know, under his own terms? Why do you always have to, you know, say, well, it's just not as good as Mario's films. And it just kind of bugs me. And I just wanted to put that out there. Um, I'm probably alone in that maybe, but, um, I loved, I loved you'll die at midnight. I thought it was just so, um, just the right amount of that mid eighties kind of trash, um, Italian trash. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of scream for help because it has this tone, this TV movie tone. And it has that, that lead, that bland kind of, uh, gee golly whiz. I'm Ioni skies doppelganger. And I even have, have the, uh, the requisite list. Um, kind of final girl who's kind of, you know, all shucks uh, through the whole film, um, you know, despite all this kind of ludicrous stuff going on. And I love the whisk scene because I was sitting there watching this and I'm thinking, um, well, first of all, after the whisk scene, they cut to the scene of her two friends and they're like, they're jogging through the park. And it just, it really reminded me of like a summer breeze commercial. So I was sitting there thinking um, the voiceover would be like when it shows those two girls jogging, it's like, when your when your best friends at home getting her pussy whisked, please make sure she's using summer breeze. <laughs> what is summer oh, breeze? It's um it's a female hygiene product. <gasps> oh no, I'm sorry I asked. La 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 la. <laughs> But yeah, the movie is um, just absolutely ludicrous. Um, the, the mystery, this is one mystery that fooled me because um, it, you know, like I was saying off air, and I'm sorry, Eric, that this is in your notes, but I'm going to go ahead and mention it. And I'm getting into some spoiler territory here, so be warned. Um, the central mystery is that um, this guy who was, uh, what's his name again? He's got that weird name. Trebo. The, the, Trebo, yeah. This Trebo, they think he's he's come back. We see him killing people, but it's not Trebo. It's um, Anna, who is uh, – I can never remember who she is to, uh, to the plot. But she's basically wearing this Trebo mask, and it's, it's, it's very happy birthday to me. Um, there's clues throughout, like, you know, there's plaster heads of uh, old um, serial killers that these uh, these women just kind of study. So I guess they, 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 they don't really cheat, but it's just so goofy. The whole movie's like this. There's like plot turns that are just like this. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a really fun Bava, a Lamberto Bava film. I don't enjoy it as much as the movie we're about to discuss, but I did have a lot of fun with it. Uh, there's some genuine suspense pieces here throughout. Um, although the film is kind of bloodless and, uh, you know, compared to the next film, it's rather lacking in the nudity department as well, which is kind of odd for an, an Italian, uh, you know, uh, giallo or slasher from the mid eighties. Um, but no, I, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I would definitely see it again. I would definitely recommend it. So thumbs up for me. Excellent. Well, thank you, Joseph. Nathan, uh, what are your thoughts on your die at midnight? Uh, I liked it. Um, although I thought a lot of characters did not die at midnight. Um, <laughs> well, that's true. You know, just, just, a, just a thought there. <clears throat> Um, and I got to say, I don't understand uh, Monica at all because, I mean, yes, she picks up a, um, you know, an electric mixer or whisk, if you will, and holds it out and actually seems to be backing the killer off, which is kind of funny, too, if you think about it. 
Um, but it's like the second she steps too far and it comes unplugged, she just sits it down and like turns her back to the killer and puts her head against the wall. And it's like, no, I, like, I was going to mention that she's like, she has no fight back whatsoever. No. Half the characters in this, half the characters in this movie have no fight back at all. It's, it's like absurd. She even, she even turns her back on the killer, like just waiting. Okay, here's my back. Stick well, Maybe she's in, affected please. by influenced by the Blair Witch. So that's um, why she's her face to the wall. Mm. It's got to be it. Yeah, you know, it's 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 the only solution that makes sense. Mm. Um, but yeah, the movie is you know is, is really funny. Um, I feel like some of the death scenes they have this blaring music playing over them that are doesn't make it very scary. At the all. music, I, I swear to God, it sounds like a like an old eighties uh, like a dra- like a dramedy or a sitcom. It's like it's all upbeat and funky. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I don't like it because I think it's fun. It, it makes the death scenes actually funny. Whereas I think if somebody put like good music to these death scenes, they actually could be kind of creepy. Just saying. But um, ultimately, I think the movie was a lot of fun. Definitely worth watching. Um, and the the whisk scene is just amazing. It's probably one of my favorite <laughs> jello scenes of all time. It's like a ridiculous version of the uh, the drill scene in Body Double. Yes, just <laughs> I just. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's the dumbest, like Eric said, it's like the dumbest weapon to use to try to fight back. And I'm assuming she's in a kitchen. She couldn't, she have grabbed like a butcher knife or anything. She grows, she goes for a whisk, like an egg beater. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Although the killer ends up using it on her. I guess it's kind of a vengeance thing. <laughs> yeah. Hence my summer breeze uh, commercial. I say I enjoyed it, Justin. Excellent. Right. Well, I'm glad. I kind of just a couple of other uh, things that jumped out at me. The thing I, I, because the Jalo, you don't watch a Jalo or for it's kind of you watch it for kind of over the top plotting, and this certainly has uh, a lot of it. So you have this um, this criminologist who is also happens to be the professor. I kind of guess of these uh, students, um, uh, and uh, as the killer, so she's wearing the mask, the, um, the 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 crispy killer's mask, and uh, I, I love. Um, why it does remind me of Happy Birthday to me. Not only do they at the end they pull off the the mask to reveal that it's actually the female criminologist underneath it, but um, she falls the final girl played by Lara Wendell, who comes back into the abandoned hotel and then sees um, the the criminologist that she's known for wearing very um, high socks all the way through the movie. And I kind of thinking this must be a plot point. Nobody wears high socks like that unless they're like a 12 year old girl in a 1960s movie um or in the brady bunch or the brady bunch and uh and it does it is a plot point at the end because laura wendell comes in and then sees these uh these stocking or these socks uh these legs sticking out and thinks uh that um it is her criminology <laughs> professor but in fact the the killer has taken one of the the girls the one she killed well did unmentionable things to with a whisk and uh taken off her own socks and put them on the the court to for Laura Wendell in about five seconds. I love how they did that. It's just so stupid. 
Yeah, and uh, especially when they take off because the, the mask is very convincing. Because um, and it's actually the uh, the uh, this film is peppered with uh, people you would recognise from other movies and certainly from other Lamberta Bava movies. And the killer who isn't really the killer because he's not uh, he's playing the mask is uh, an actor called Peter Pitch, a German actor. He was uh, he was in Demons along with a number of the other uh, the cast uh, and. Um, but it's the the mask just like the mask in happy birthday to me is very realistic but when you think pulled off it looks like it was made out of papier-mâché uh, so yeah just... because um in happy birthday to me when they ripped the, the the masks off it's like rubber like skin looking so it looks kind of real but in here it looks like a big almost like a bowl like yeah. you could eat cereal cereal out of it or something. apart from the eye holes that would let all milk fall out <laughs> yeah um one thing i was going to mention and i i don't know if you mentioned it or not eric but who is the girl what's the girl's name with the giant red hair hmm. is it joya it's that's her isn't it mm. is it one of the students is it it is yeah it's the oh, one that yeah. gets um gets killed eric, uh, downstairs you don't, you don't remember her i do i do i do yeah what about her well, I was just going to say, I'm surprised you didn't point it out because her hair is just ginormous. I didn't find her hair that ginormous. Maybe I'll have to re- re- rewind and have a look. <laughs> it didn't save her, unfortunately. Didn't save her, no. But I did like I the... Thought was, I thought, I was just going to say, Laura Wendell uh, with her short cropped hair. <laughs> she looked a bit like the lead singer of the Psychedelic Furs, I thought, Richard Butler. Um, <laughs> Yes, I love. I, I, cool, I love the, um, <laughs> the the kind of goofiness of the 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 whole showdown at the end. Is the, they're in this abandoned? Well, don't listen, I'm, I'm not entirely sure why they were at that hotel that had no concierge or anyone there at all working reception. They were the the three students alone in this place, and there was not a single person. It was a bit like The Beyond, wasn't it, which is a film we've been covering on Patreon. At the end, it goes foggy, and there's no one in this whole town apart from the main characters who are being... I was just wondering, because her dad is the police chief or whatever, maybe he had permission for them to use this abandoned hotel for their thesis. So I don't know why they'd want to, but... <laughs> it's very strange. So, um, yeah. well, as we've got uh, another film to get through, should we talk about some background? So um, has anyone got any? Uh, Nathan, what have you got on Midnight Killer? Nothing. Okay. Right. Well, thank you. Joseph, how about you? What? No. <laughs> Well, at least <laughs> Eric, what have you got? Eric is dying right here. <laughs> I know. I lo- um, the only thing I have is that um, Daniela from Werewolf Woman was uh, um, wrote the script because people say the word whore a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, you heard that. Yeah, there was well, a bit of. I have a few things about Delirium for later. Okay. Right. Well, I've only got a few bits. So, I mentioned before a couple of things was this is Lamberto Bava's second Jalo film. Uh, and I agree with you, Joseph, actually, about the, uh, the you know, because Mary Bava obviously did, um, you know, a number of seminal Jalli, including, of course, uh, uh, Twitch the Deaf Nerve, um, which is kind of the blueprint of Friday the 13th, whether or not it was um, actually um, ever acknowledged by the, the makers of the uh, Crystal Lake movies but um it's it's chalk and cheese really i mean literally cheese when it comes to lambert yeah. movies but i do um i as much as i admire mario bava and his filmmaking process and a lot of his movies and that they are 
exceptional movies. I probably um, find myself coming back to uh, Lamberto Bava movies more. Uh, certainly, Demons yeah, and Demons too. What I was going to what I was going to say is that I think uh, Mario Bava he makes better films, but Lamberto Bava makes better movies. Yeah, yeah, Lamberto's oeuvre is more entertaining i suppose for for an audience like ourselves uh although Ooh, I do, that's I, hmm? that's creepy that's creepy what you, you used the word oeuvre and i had that in my notes at one point Ooh. Oh. um but yeah i do <laughs> I, I would agree i i find lamberto bava's movies really rewatchable uh, particularly from this era uh mario bava's i love as well though i i must admit although it's mainly his later ones his sort of late 60s early 70s ones that i like the best hmm. So, yes, well, Lamberto Bava, I think it touched on it earlier, said that um, he was uneasy making these types of films, which uh, doesn't really come across in the uh, the finished project product. Sorry, And he said, um, his quote is saying, I find doing scenes where women get stabbed to death repugnant. Uh, Dario Argento does it so well, but I feel sick as soon as I see the knife in the murderer's hands, which seems strange i suppose given how the kind of brutality of some of the uh some of these uh films it seems a little bit odd but um a couple of uh bits of background i mentioned about peter pitch who was in uh demons he's one of the punks in the car in demons he was a german actor who was in a number of italian 80s horror movies uh and is now a um is now a uh, an artist uh leonardo dravigio who Niccolo uh, Levy, um, who was the policeman who gets uh, who kickstarts everything and gets uh, killed by Anna in that kind of switcheroo when you think he's attacking her. Um, he was in uh, Derek Jarman's Sebastian, uh, which surprisingly um, there was some uh, connection with Delirium because uh, David Brandon, who was in Delirium, was also he was the lead in in that film. So um, that's a bold film, very bold film, yes. Uh, I think um, oh well actually a few of the other people in uh, like uh, uh, the um, uh, the woman Monica with the blender I think I've got a name down as Elijah but I think that's probably a spell check thing um, Miglio was uh, also in Demons so there's a lot of um, uh, faces and the the inspector uh, whose name I haven't written down was uh, was in uh, Lucio Fulci's uh, New Ripper as well as another mm. uh, many other movies so the opening bit where the guy is uh finding out that his wife or his girlfriend or whatever is cheating on him wasn't that scene just ridiculous i mean she stabs him he dr- he's trying to drown her in the sink and i was reading a review um i can't remember what review it was but uh if i had the source i would give them credit but they were just saying that uh a lot of uh you'll die at midnight didn't really measure up to that intensity in that scene because it's so over the top and ridiculous and i would have to disagree although that opening moment is quite hysterical yes well it's it is kind quite of quite a startling opening yes yeah <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> he, he sticks that girl's head in that dirty dishwater and i'm like i just i'd rather you just stab me than have to endure that it's just ugh. do we think he was um is implying that she was having an affair with the woman because she turns up at the scene as well doesn't she i think so mm. so yes well um 
do we have any feedback on this, Joseph? I know it's... Uh, it's uh, yeah, we actually have a little bit. Okay, you'll die at midnight. Facebook feedback. Uh, Tim S. Turner says, all I know is that I love that poster. And if you are on our Facebook group, you can see that poster. Michael Ferrari says, I have not seen this picture, but it's always nice to see a knife in the butt poster. <laughs> Once again, if you are on our Facebook group, you can see this poster. Uh, J.W. Durbin says, looks cheeky. I'm assuming he's <laughs> mentioning the poster. I don't recall this one. Uh, Tom Burkhead says, I don't actually remember anything about this, but reading my old review, I apparently liked it a fair bit. Finding the killings suitably vicious and the climax intense. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Amanda Reyes says, a shame to admit this is one I haven't seen, but the soundtrack is boss. A.J. Anderson Yakukowitz says, the Mo Lambava, the Mo Betta. <laughs> okay. Jason Miller says, never seen it. What's your thoughts? And, well, Jason, if you will just rewind a little bit, you will hear our thoughts. Okay, over on the forums, Mr. Palmer says, for some strange reason, I really like this one. On Instagram, Dave Felter says, not bad, but nothing great in my opinion. Uh, Jello Guy says, decent movie. Maybe I'll give it a rewatch soon. And on Twitter, The Bitter Bastard and Kelly Show says, I've never had the pleasure of seeing this one. I'll have to check it out on YouTube. And Fernando Viterazzo de Carvalho says, great movie. And that's all the feedback we have on You'll Die at Midnight. Fantastic. Well, thank you, everyone who wrote in. Uh, And um, I think as we are fitting two in tonight, which is one of uh, Eric's usual Friday nights, um, we'll skip the after the credits, if that's okay, and go straight on to a delirium. Oh, we have to play. um, No, we have to play Joseph's birthday song first. Oh, okay. Happy birthday to you. This is the song called I Hope Your Birthday is the Tops. Oh, it's your birthday. Oh, I can imagine um, Nathan is uh, white-faced with uh, revulsion. I think this may have to go on YouTube. It it could rival um, Rebecca Black and her Friday craze. (laughs) Well, he needs to do a music video for it in that case. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Look at a mashup of uh, Toya and Harold. <laughs> it's the, I can it's see the that new what, what in the butt. What, what? In the butt? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, now we're free to go on to delirium now that all the birthday greetings are out of the way. Well, thank you, Eric. I think both both myself and Joseph, I can speak for you, Joseph. I think uh, we feel very uh, humbled by your oh, You're your, welcome. Your work. It's just it's bringing joy to people that really fills my heart with so much pleasure. <laughs> so much joy I could shit. Yes. Well, okay. Well, from uh, one bit of delirium to another, and I couldn't find a. Well, there were trailers for delirium, but they were just music. There was no dialogue, so I've got a bit of dialogue from the movie to get started. So here is some dialogue from Delirium. I questioned that kid, Mark. He didn't try to hold back. He told me exactly what he witnessed here last night. It appears absolutely certain he saw a murder. 
He's the only witness we have, but I don't think he'll be very useful. All we know is the murder was blonde. But there are lots of blondes, both men and women, and wigs besides. But why send that photograph? And pose Kim's body in front of a poster of me? And why was she killed? Right here, at my house. If we had the answers to all your questions, the case would be solved now. But by sending that photograph of her here, it looks like it points to me. Why? I don't know. And that's not the only thing that's baffling. Well, before I read the synopsis, that sounds like the same uh, voiceover artist who uh, did the classic line reading in pieces about fucking on a waterbed. Or is it just... It does, doesn't it? It does sound really like her, but it probably probably is. But uh, a former hooker runs a successful men's magazine called Pussycat. An obsessed admirer systematically slaughters her models, occasionally increasing the magazine's output, and supplies the mistress with pictures of their disfigured corpses taken in front of her semi-nude posters visible in the background. Is she going to be the psycho's next victim? So, well, this is Lamberto Barber's uh, follow-up to... Well, not follow-up, but it has no connection apart from some of the uh, uh, kind of stable Lamberto Barber players in the film. But uh, this was probably made around about the same time as he made Demons 2, I would have thought. I don't know which one came first. But... um, whatever they were smoking or taking in 1987 i wish i had a little bit of it myself because everything went batshit crazy uh it was balls to the wall madness uh dry ice shoulder pads um models with giant bee heads uh, it's is um lamberto barva from what i've read uh said that uh he tired of doing the giallo but he he liked the idea of doing uh giallo from the point of view of the killer although it's not really successful in that and so much it doesn't feel much different in its its makeup to a, a normal if you can call any shallow normal but um everything is just kind of over the top and uh del- deliriously silly including and gets incredibly sleazy uh towards the end which we'll talk about but you have serena grandi who was a uh a, a probably infamous or famous in italy as being a kind of a a, a large boobied lady who did lots of uh stripping off in this film if you uh want to see boobies you see a lot of boobies there's no boobs in the um you'll die at midnight and i think actually joseph might have been on something i don't know if it was the case but i wouldn't be surprised if that was actually shot for tv because there was quite a lot of those um jelly for tv movies dario gento was making them at this at this time as well but this definitely wasn't for tv or certainly if it was for like a skinny max uh, type of tv there's it starts with boobs and it goes on and on and on and of course as you might expect um with a uh, a film set around a topless magazine uh and so of course this goes back this harks back actually uh to um it's almost like you could say it's almost uh like um um blood and black lace in so much it's uh, set around a uh, coterie of beautiful models whose clothes and bras ping off every opportune moment or inopportune moment and being killed off one by one by a killer and the quirk here apart from the gaudiness of the um 
of the kind of late 80s uh, Italian villas and shoulder pads is and gold everywhere is that when the killer kills the models he or she um, sees them uh, as grotesque kind of monsters I kind of guess uh, in the first one we see and it's probably the most famous image from the movie is the woman whose head it becomes a giant eyeball with bloody red um, veins running off from the side who gets pitchforked uh, and uh, um, dies in Serena's pool after leaving a house after a photo shoot and um and on it goes. Uh, so models are dropping left, right and centre, all of them being seen by the killer with this kind of grotesque uh, sort of mask. Although, bizarrely, Serena Grandi, who is the, uh, the, the the titular, as it were, heroine of the movie, is, is not actually seen uh, with these kind of giant uh, disfiguration. Um, but the film just goes, it just goes all out uh, in craziness and um, Euro dubbing, every, everything you can imagine. This movie is probably one of the most bizarre uh, and outlandish jally of the late 80s. Funnily enough, there's it shares a title with uh, the Mickey Hagate uh, Delirium from 1972, which is even more batshit crazy. And there's another film I'd like to cover at some point. Um, is uh, you could imagine that, that that's even more batshit crazy than this if you can believe it but um lots more to say about this movie but uh is it is it any of your first time i imagine you've all seen delirium before haven't you yeah yes well let's start with uh nathan what are your thoughts on delirium um i absolutely love delirium because to me it's like the equivalent of um a crazy late 80s uh, slasher movie as opposed to like the uh, early 80s i look at delirium to be like the equivalent of that like it's just the late uh version of a jello that um you know would have been maybe more serious had it been filmed in the 70s but maybe not i mean there's some cheesy ones in the 70s too so um, I could be totally wrong on that, but, uh, I think delirium is a lot of fun. I absolutely love that the killer sees the grotesque, uh, like monsters before, um, you know, he kills them. Uh, the, uh, beekeeper scene I thought was hilarious. I mean, <laughs> it's like a toddler, like a, a naked woman just like screaming and all these bees like stinging her. And it, it seems to go on for a little, a little while. Um, the, the actual scene does. And I don't understand uh, Gloria's nonchalant attitude when it comes to Mark calling her and making some extremely sexually suggestive um, remarks about her. And I mean, he's, he's basically sexually harassing her and she, her attitude about it is just like, Oh Mark, you're not funny. And I'm, <laughs> I don't know. It just seems very, um, like I said, nonchalant about somebody who's basically like sexually harassing you. And what's worse is that he's actually kind of the hero in the end. Yes. So it's like, he's such a scumbag and he's <laughs> like the hero. It's, it's the weirdest thing. Are you wearing your panties? <laughs> yes. It's just, I don't know, it just, it, 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 it's completely insane. But just, so is the whole movie. Um, and I love the death scenes. Like you said, the pitchfork scene uh, at the pool, that was great. And the beekeeper scene, I thought, was a lot of fun. It's just... All around, I think it's a fun movie, so I would definitely recommend it. Excellent. Well, thank you, Nathan. What about you, Joseph? 
Oh my goodness, I love this film. Um, was it boy, I don't even really know where you? to start. Um, was it a first time what? watch for you? Was it? Is it your first no, time? No, I'd seen this a long time ago. Um, but you know, like you'll die at midnight. I remembered nothing about it. But this movie, um, watching it again this week, uh, oh my goodness, uh, it is so batshit crazy. I love the. Um, well, first of all, I I, I love Serena Grande. Um, from the bottom of my heart. Oh my God. But, um, moving away from that, um, I love the, I love the eyeball head and the B head stuff like that. That stuff is so deliriously just insane. And, and you know, like Nathan was saying, I love that this Mark guy, he's such a scumbag and he's calling, he's like, you know, he's calling her and do, doing all this, all this lurid talk and stuff. And at the very end, he, he shoots the killer in, in the dick with a gun. And then they just kind of look at each other and he just smiles like, <laughs> I just saved the day. Also, doesn't he even ask her, oh, can I call and tell you how hot you look from yeah. now on? And she's like, oh, yeah. yes. I'm like, what? And then there's, <laughs> and then there's the one scene where um, I think it's Serena Grande. She's uh, – well, I mean you see her assets throughout the film. I mean – <laughs> she's in the tub, she's in the bathtub with George, George Eastman's character. And then her brother just kind of opens the door and he's like, you know, he catches them kind of making love quote unquote in the, in the tub. He's like, Oh, I just, I didn't know you were here. I'm sorry. Goodbye. And he closes the door. <laughs> it's just so awkward. It's just such an awkward scene. Did you, did um, you notice, sorry to interrupt, but did you notice that if you watch carefully, George Eastman is, is humping her thigh bizarrely yeah that's what yeah i was just about to mention that because um when it's when they're doing the kind of the the, the back and forth uh, quick cuts with them you know quote unquote making love he's humping like the outside of her leg i'm like did this did this motherfucker go to the tommy wiseau school of like screen humping <laughs> they didn't want to get pregnant <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my goodness this movie is just so bonkers i love the central mystery too uh it's just so batshit crazy um the big the big reveal is it's it's her, it's her brother and I, am, am i right in thinking his motive is that oh you know these these people it's just one of those silly these people were bad they had to go so i can protect you motives well i think it was kind of he wanted to uh, he wanted to kill her, didn't he? But he, but only if he could have a look at her breast well, one last time. Yeah, I think he was like in sleazy. love with her incestuously or something. But he wanted to basically get rid of everyone so he could have her to himself or something. I don't really know, but it's just so ludicrous. Um, thumbs way up for me. This this is the type of like Italian movie that I love because it really reminds me of Fatal Frames because it's so soaked in excess. It's right smack dab in the middle of that mid to late 80s a kind of neon grime kind of emanating from every pore of the screen um this feels like a, a movie where like a bunch of stockbrokers who kind of live in lavish houses you know they get coked up during the weekend and if they don't go clubbing they go out and make a movie like this so thumbs way the fuck up on delirium i fucking loved it wow swear words swear words yeah. indeed well eric uh what are your thoughts on delirium well, I effing Jeff and love this film as well. Now, I've seen this a good few times over the years. So, um, yeah, it was it, w- it wasn't new to me this one. Um, I, I, as everyone has been saying, I love the gimmick of the killer seeing the, the his victims uh, with these sort of deformities, like a, having a giant eyeball and having a giant bee's head. Uh, I only wish maybe that they'd done more with that because it's. Just, I think it's just t- on two occasions, isn't it? It's just the eyeball and the bee, really, that we see, and then mm. it, that kind of 
device is dropped then for the rest of the film. Um, I mean, the rest of the film is still bloody entertaining, but it would be nice maybe to, if they'd carried on with that sort of motif. Um, when I was watching it this time, um, one thing I noticed that I have missed every time I've watched this film before is that when I was watching the opening scene uh, where they're doing the, the photo shoot in the swimming pool, I was thinking, oh my God, it's like that video for uh, Boys, 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 in brackets, Summertime Love by Sabrina. And then I realized that it's the Sabrina that's in the film. Um, now, this mean, might mean nothing to Nathan and uh, Joseph, because I'm not sure if this was a hit single in the US, but in the summer of 1988, um, Sabrina, who's in this film, had a big uh, hit. Big, she had many big hits, if you know what I mean. Um, she had a big hit with a song called Boys, Boys, Boys. Um, oh, yeah. I remember yeah. that song. Yes, and that's her in the movie, who gets stung to death by the bees. I didn't realize she had a Really? Yes. Yeah, she wow. plays a character called Sabrina as well, which um, must have wow. been taxed. Um, the other thing I really noticed this time was that Gloria's apartment um, is, uh, well, horrendous. I mean, she has this lovely vi- villa with a nice swimming pool and all that. But, oh my God, all that white leather furniture and marble surfaces and oh, so many ornaments. All those ornaments. No, no. It's horrible. Did nobody think the decor was horrible? It was horrible, but I, I noticed how they'd obviously hired the place, hadn't they? Because they didn't knock anything over, did they, during the uh, <laughs> the end of it? Well, all those ornaments could have gone flying, but yeah. sadly they didn't. Uh, I much preferred the um, the the cops uh, uh, flat in in Midnight Killer because he had it done up like St. Elmo's Fire. He had a kind of it had kind of a warehousey look with a mural on the wall. That was much more my my eighties taste. This one, yeah, just too many ornaments. Um, I wasn't sure what about George Eastman's character in this film what his purpose was i mean i know he's supposed to be a red herring but his character drops in and then drops out quite abruptly with no sort of reasoning why uh, and he we see him lying to gloria saying that oh i'll be landing back in rome on monday when we can see quite clearly he's standing opposite the Colosseum, so he's obviously in rome but we we don't find out why he's lying um so i mean i'm not complaining because the film's so entertaining i'm just curious to know was there maybe more to george eastman's plot line that we didn't see i'm not sure and i love as the nathan was saying I love the character of the wheelchair-bound Mark um, who lives next to Gloria and just sends her really obscene phone calls, which she just laughs off. Um, I mean, this is, what, 32 years ago now, so maybe different If you think about it, if you think about it, Mark is probably a sociopath because there's that scene where the guy, I think it's his doctor, he's telling me like, you know, this is all psychological, you can walk. And then at the end of the film, when he's like talking to her in the hospital, he's like, hey, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of walking here lately. I guess I just need to release some demons or something like that. And I'm thinking, yeah, you just wanted to shoot somebody in the dick. Yeah. <laughs> he's such a, and he's the hero. It's, it's just ridiculous. Well, he it's certainly kind of made like, the killers member throb. Yes. With but it's, it's kind of like, uh, because it's obviously a riff on uh, Rear Window, isn't it? But um, Hitchcock left out the, the bit with uh, James Stewart asking his neighbour to wank him off. <laughs> yeah. And saying so he makes a member throb and how he wants to penetrate her flower. Mm. Um, oh my yeah. God, my neighbour just got shot in the dick. <laughs> Um, yeah, the other thing about Mark that was interesting was he he's in a wheelchair because he was in a car accident with his girlfriend and his girlfriend died, or his fiance it was. And it's also mentioned that Gloria's husband died in a car accident. And I'm wondering if the two car accidents were, were linked or did I miss something? No? Was that ever mentioned? I think it was all kind of meant to be the, the idea that he could walk, that he was going up and killing people, although we did actually see him see the first murder, didn't we? But he was... No, um, but I'm just wondering, did, did Mark's car and Gloria's husband's car collide or something in an accident that we didn't see sort of that happened before the film started? Or 
because it just seems um, coincidental that these two people living side by side both had loved ones who got killed in a car accident. Yes. Mm. Mm. Anyway, um, as you said, there are tons of boobies in the movie. It's wall-to-wall balubas, like from start to finish. And I can confirm that according to the DVD extras that I was watching, that it was made for cinemas. So... um, that's that's why we get extra boobage in this one. Um, I love that sequence where Gloria is in the department store and she's been menaced by the killer, and you know she knocks over the mannequin and it falls, you know, several floors to the ground. Actually, in an effect that would probably have been used in the seventies as you know to to um, show a, a real person falling off a balcony because they were notorious for using mannequins, you know, these sort of immobile objects to show people falling off high spaces. I love the fact that the killer has a sped up chipmunk voice as well, which makes it sort of suitably unthreatening um but overall yeah wonderfully uh, sort of convoluted and ludicrous in all the best ways um and the finale involves poor old gloria having to strip down to her white negligee because this is the 80s after all um whilst the wounded killer sort of you know barfs blood all over her norks so it was the censor's worst nightmare i'm sure at the time um i love the film um, it's even better than Midnight Killer, and that's saying something. And it's once again proof that Lamberto Bava is uh, what, whatever people say about him. He's highly skilled at making entertainment, and uh, yeah, Delirium is definitely one I'd revisit. You know, every couple of years at least. Excellent. Well, did you did anyone else notice the kind of the meta moment that um, when Serena Grandi's uh, character is visiting George Eastman's character uh, at the studio, that she bumps into three people dressed in demons makeup? Oh yes, I didn't notice that was demons makeup though. Well, I think it looked like these the kind of the um, sort of extras as demons. Mm. It might have been, but I, I thought it was probably just like a bit of a meta, uh, a nod by a playful nod by Lamberto uh, towards his kind of demons movies, perhaps. But uh, I liked um, the. Uh, I it's funny, kind of the talking. Uh, we talked about Midnight Killer and said about the uh, how it reminded me a little bit about the Beyond in uh, which film we're covering for Patreon this month. Uh, but uh, with this film, it was the um, when uh, Sabrina gets killed by the bees, there's, there's a close-up of these little animatronic bees on her butt, which um, in the a bit like the famous uh, pipe clean spiders in the beyond, it was kind of a bit like yes. that, which I thought was quite, uh, quite entertaining. So, uh, but... Um, uh, I was trying to think what else to say about this. I I love the you know, Simon Boswell who did the music for this, and I love the way that it's actually some quite beautiful music in it, and then it gets very bombastic uh, in very kind of eighties uh, sort of thing. Now, there's um, a couple of people that uh, we haven't mentioned in this. Is, is again, it's a bit of a who's who of uh, Italian horror giallo royalty with this, and one of those, of course, is Daria Nicoldi, who was um, uh, famously married to um, Dario Argento, and of course is the the mother of Asia Argento who was in uh, Deep Red with uh, uh, Dario Argento one of the um, well just leading on from that one of the little bit of backgrounds apparently Dario Argento was uh, linked to this movie at one point um, there's also and I can't remember and I wish I, I should have looked up how to pronounce the name but it's a Capuchin or ca- Capucin who uh, was played the kind of the bitchy um, rival uh, sort of movie uh, mogul who uh, the predatory lesbian uh, which they these films seem to have uh, is a kind of another one of these kind of typecast things that you had uh, uh, predatory lesbians through many of these jali uh, and films like case of the bloody um, iris and a film
one that this is kind of similar to in sort of uh, in so much again about models being murdered it's the crimes of the black cat um we had a similar character but uh i i really enjoyed her apart from the you know a, a vaguely offensive uh, through uh, today's filters but i enjoyed her kind of bitchy dialogue when her and serena were kind of going at it as it were verbally in her office uh so um but uh and of course uh, george eastman again uh he was in uh in um he, he was the um, anthropophagus and uh he was the killer and absurd and he was in anthropophagus with serena grandi who was uh the lady who had a fetus pulled out between her legs and munched on by george eastman so they had a good working relationship already um, <laughs> so hey didn't i munch on your fetus in that movie before yeah yes so anyway sorry i've kind of i've, I've overshot myself there a little bit but um some background so uh joseph do you have anything for us what no <laughs> but i do have a question what is it um well i noticed in um in you'll die at midnight there was a character named joya but i don't recall there being a character named joya in this well, one because i know it's also named delirium photos of joya well i think it's gloria is english for joya Exactly. That's what I was thinking as well. I'm, yes. I'm assuming Joya must be the Italian version of Gloria. I think okay, you, I, think I got right. lost there for a second. I was like, okay, I'm a little confused, but okay. Yeah. It makes sense. Okay, well, thank you for your question, Joseph. Uh, Nathan, what have you got for us? Nothing. That's okay. <laughs> You've got to say it in Italian. <laughs> Nada. No, that's Spanish. No, that's not. Oh, no. Never mind. Eric Not might be well before we piss off all two of our italian listeners um eric have you got anything for us yes george eastman pulled a fetus out of serena grandi's tummy in anthropophagus and he munched on it <laughs> also eric if you dear listeners if you go listen to our absurd commentary um Eric spends a lot of time outlining George Eastman's Willie. Only at the start, and it's not that long. It's only, well, his, his thing is that long, I say, but I don't spend that much of a duration talking about it. <laughs> because he's wearing very tight jeans and absurd when he's running towards the camera, and you can just see which way he dresses, I'm just saying. Um, <clears throat> uh, Lamberto Bava's son, Fabrizio, a.k.a. Roy Bava, uh, was the assistant director on this movie. Uh, he had the same role on You'll Die at Midnight, on Demons 2, and he's since gone on to do assistant director work on uh, the Argento movies, Jallo and The Card Player, and also on, strangely, Zoolander 2, for some reason. I think some of it was shot in Italy. Um, Carl Zinni as Creepy Mark, he was one of the lead dreamboats in Demons in 1985. Uh, he gets possessed and, and ends up, I think he begs to be killed or something. <laughs> Sounds grim. Uh, Lino Salami, <laughs> Saleme, who plays the inspector. Uh, he was the bad boy in Demons, uh, one of the punks, and he's also a security guard in Demons too. So this is very, um, this is like John Carpenter and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. This is the kind of troupe that Bava had assembled. Um, and as I said, Sabrina Salerno, who plays Sabrina, she was a pop star. She had one huge hit, although uh, most of the fellas were interested in her two huge hits that she had. Um, 
She had a single called Boys, brackets Summertime Love, in 1988. The video had Sabrina in an ill-fitting bikini in a swimming pool, and all her publicity appearances, included, including on BBC's flagship pop music show Top of the Pops, uh, involved her in a top that could barely contain her bountiful bosoms. I think the BBC received a flood of complaints because um, there's a clip of her on Top of the Pops, you'll see, where she's wearing, well... It's about seven sizes too small for her. There's my phone, sorry. Uh, seven sizes too small for her and her boobs are popping out. And apparently on a show in Spain in New Year's Eve in 1987, she was performing a song on a live TV show and one of her boobs did pop out of her top and it caused uproar at the time. Um, and that's all the booby background I have. Uh, Justin, over to you. Okay, well, talking of boobies, uh, Serena Grandi, as we mentioned, uh, was uh, after she the fetus munching in Anthropophagus, she went on to mostly be in kind of softcore erotic uh, type uh, movies in throughout the 80s and the 90s. Um, she's still acting, I think. She was actually born Serena Fagioli, so, um, which is a strange name, but so she changed the name to Grandi. Uh, she was actually a graduate in computer programming um, so she certainly although she may have played a bit dumb I mean I think this film was supposed to be a uh, kind of a, a kind of a her first serious role if you can believe that um she's she's not very good in it really i mean she kind of she handles herself as it were um okay but uh it didn't lead to a massive amount and um uh more recently she um in 2006 she stood as a candidate for a far right party in italy uh, wow. unfortunately um and in in 2017 she was on the equivalent of celebrity big brother uh in italy oh. So uh, Cappuccine, uh, I'm sure it's probably not Cappuccine because it's not like Cappuccino, but Cappuccine was, uh, she was an old style uh, movie star from the 1950s and um, she was under contract to Columbia Studios uh, and uh, she killed herself by throwing herself out of a window from a ninth story building in 1990. So shortly after this film was uh, completed, which is a shame. But um, uh, what else was there? I did have a couple of things. It was um, filmed in and around Rome, uh, began shooting in 1986, uh, September. And as I mentioned before, Dario Argento was attached at one point, but pulled out due to script changes. And the script was co-wrote by Luciano Martino, who uh, was the... um, um, the brother of Sergio Martino, of course, who made lots of fantastic Jali in the early, well, in the 70s and also in some in the 80s and the 90s. Um, and uh, she, he was the husband of Edwige Fenique, who, of course, is the queen of Jalo. So, uh, but um, that's all I have on uh, Delirium. So, is it time for You Know What? I think so. It's my joke of the week. Who's the hottest director in Italy? Lamberto Lava. I think it should take a moment's silence. Joseph would laugh because he... (laughs) Uh, actually, I kind of liked it, Eric. <laughs> Thank you. I was just going along with the, the sound. Yeah, well, I was so busy in the recording studio recording those wonderful songs for you both that I didn't really have time to concentrate on the joke. Did was you that? catch that three o'clock jet to uh, Tokyo in time? Um, I don't get that reference. 
It was basically me saying that you're this big jet-setting rock star. Oh, right, yeah. I am a big jet-setting rock star. Yeah. But some, yeah. sometimes with jokes, you know, you can uh, you make them off the cuff and they can be really funny. Um, and I'm sure that will happen <laughs> one day, Eric. <gasps> Shade. <sighs> well, thank you. So I'm any- serving you homemade joke realness. <laughs> you are indeed. Well, let's, uh, let's have a break just for the moment just to play the contact details how to get in contact with the show because after that uh joseph you want to come back with some thoughts from our dear listeners on delirium thank you for listening to the hysteria continues be sure to search for us on facebook instagram and twitter and subscribe to our youtube channel if you enjoy our show consider becoming a patreon subscriber that's patreon.com forward slash the hysteria continues you can email us at the hysteria continues at gmail.com full of them. From low-budget crap fests to downright unwatchable. And only two men are willing to watch them all. So climb in and take your seat. This is Short Bus Cinema. Let's do it. Hey everyone, this is Johnny Krug from Kruger Nation. And this is Rick Morgan from the Helming Power Hour. And we have decided to team up and take you where no one has gone before. We're on a quest to find the world's worst movie, and we're doing it on the bus. Driving through cult classics in every genre to find holy grail of bad movies. So if you're looking for something different and more fun than you can stand, then climb on in. Short Bus Cinema is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. That's right, yo! Short Bus Cinema. We'd love to watch the movies you hate. Okay, uh, over on Facebook, Tim S. Turner says, I love it, if only because of my lust for Serena Grandi and, of course, giant eyeball face. J.W. Durbin says, a movie so good, Charles Band named a magazine after it. Stefan Matander says, just watched it for the first time. Fun, if few kills. Tons of sleaze and stylishly shot. A bit soapy at times, but the entertaining dialogue helps. On par with A Blade in the Dark. Glad I finally gave the disc a spin. Thanks, THC. Uh, Tyler Elkins says, Serena Grande makes me delirious. Kyle Brookie says, delirium, photos of Toya. This pseudo-documentary had some unique murders, but could have used a few more. J.J. Ellis says, this still looks like a good ad for Visine. I guess that's the giant eyeball reference there. Uh, Greg Wojcik says, I just watched the Blu-ray. I love this movie. Serena Grande is so damn hot. Amanda Reyes says, George Eastman is a honey. I just recently became obsessed with Lombardo Baba, and I've been watching and revisiting everything I can. I don't know that he's a perfect filmmaker, but he's brilliant. On the forums, Body Boy says, kind of boring. Poor Lamberto will never be as great as his father. <gasps> and there's that, there's that thing again. Body Boy, you should know better. Mr. Palmer says, didn't care much for it. 
Mr. Palmer, you don't care much for anything. On Instagram, the squint one says, own it, but only watched it once. Remember thinking it wasn't one of Lamberto Bava's better films. Eugene Weaver 9 says, I need to give this a rewatch. I own the code code red Blu-ray and thought it was a slog to get through on first viewing. But as with a lot of these Italian films, they tend to grow on you with repeat viewings. It took me several viewings of Umberto Lindsay's wonderfully crazy Nightmare City to fully appreciate it. Maybe the same will apply with this one. Time to pull the Blu-ray off the shelf for another go-around. Pervula says, yes, brilliant surreal kills with a Simon Boswell beat and sleazy style make for another El Bava win. Film Skunk says it's okay. I like that name, Film Skunk. Aronga Gliardo? I don't know. Whoever your name is says sleazy fun, a cheesy 80s score, red herrings, good visuals, the ridiculously busty Miss Grandi, surreal kills. I mean, what the fuck is with that giant eyeball and bee mask? All this and a bizarre ending. No classic, but an enjoyable flick. Uh, on Twitter... Rob B movie cult says very enjoyable. Lamberto is very underrated. I actually like almost all of his films, body puzzle, blade in the dark demons, one and two macabre macabre, excuse me. And blast fighter is an absolute hoot. Uh, Robin says, love, love, love. Not sure why this one in particular isn't talked about more. I have a huge crush on Carl Zinni and love the character he plays in this all great familiar faces. For me, this is up there with demons and the like. Brandon Cooper says, love it. Ambitious, fun, visually splendiferous. Space Debris says, a total WTF film, bonkers to the core, and just plain mental. Whether it's enjoyable or not is another question. Doomed Moviethon says, it's pretty damn great. Fun, stylish, and ridiculous. The Bitter Bastard and Kelly Show says, wow, Bava really went apeshit with this one. The mystery is rather weak, but the bizarre visions of the victims that the killer has are different. The giant eyeball face was pretty cool, but some of the others were just odd. Serena Grandi is the new Stefania Stella. Hey, Uh, yeah, that's all the feedback I have on Delirium. Excellent. Right. Well, thank you for everyone for writing in. and uh, a true to form, this has been a delirious episode. Uh, hopefully, very delirious. Mu- Only much, in recent minutes. Yeah. Yes. Well, hopefully, much of it will be uh, rescued in the edit. So, well, anyway, we've got uh, we're going to be recording our Patreon uh, pick uh, next. So, if you are a Patreon supporter, well, thank you very much. And we have some great stuff coming up, and we will at some point because we are we are front loading a lot of stuff, as it were. Um, we will be covering Lucio Fulci's The Beyond, uh, uh, which is Eric's pick. Um, so more Italian horror madness. But uh, uh, Eric, I also believe it is your turn next time. Yes. Well, we're staying with um, a European flavor. We're going at. Uh, to the mid 2000s i think ish uh with a film that has many names switchblade romance it was released to, to us in the uk and ireland but it's known as high tension in the us and haute tension in its native france so that's our next pick excellent well and we already know that it's been burning up the boards with its um with its uh, controversial ending but uh, yeah well thank you for listening to the hysteria continues and of course we are going to be playing out with boys 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 by the bouncy sabrina so uh yes yeah, so, well thank you for listening to hysteria continues and we will catch you next time so say goodbye to the good people
Goodbye. Bye. Bye. I hope you have good time. Bye-bye. Enjoyable or not? Shit. Whoa. Whoa. Did you hear that? I believe you're sounding like oh a Dalek. Oh, hello. Oh, my God. Oh. Just keep. <laughs> this is, um, mm, this can be a fun one to edit. Have we lost Joseph. Hello? Is anyone there? Well, you sound worse. Hello, Joseph. He's gone again. Can you... I'll get in again. Yeah, you're sounding all right now. What's okay. still going? Are you still there? Oops. Yeah. And we're getting sort of very... Um, what the hell's going on? Hold on, let me, I'm going to ring, if you can hear me, I'm going to ring, I'm going to ring off, hold on now, so, okay, and then obviously you can edit in, hopefully. Okay, here we go. (laughs) What was that? Oh, that's, sorry, it's just my Mac, I just ran a clean, uh, a cleaning program on the Mac in case it was something to do with, there some problems or something, but, uh, yeah, so you're good to go now.